0: and a one and a two and a one two three four we are live from the michael schellenberger headquarters he's a man who's running for governor of the great state of california it is primary day uh ryan we're doing the kind of outdoor experiment you once did we will see about the audio quality how you doing
1: it sounds fine just no barking dogs and sirens and you'll have me beat I mean, we'll see.
0: The wind is already whipping out here in San Francisco, as happens, as I should have expected. Um, yeah, buddy, we're gonna do. We're gonna be talking about uh, as the wind whips behind me, you know, as I report live from the scene. Uh, we're gonna be talking about uh, the NBA finals. The TV viewership numbers were quite surprising, and Ryan's got some theories about it. Uh, we're gonna be talking about. possibly, is it controversial? Would you say the thing I wrote is controversial on the Tampa Bay Rays and their five players who refused to wear the pride emblems and uh, kicked off some of a controversy and really any other sort of topics that you guys want to call in for it, but we began See, the thing
1: is is you write these things and you brace for them being controversial and then all of a sudden there's like no backlash for you yeah
0: everybody agrees everybody's just like i mean i haven't really looked for it plus i paywalled it and it, you know it made some money but maybe i'll unleash maybe i'll unleash the dove tomorrow um you know it, it was one of those things where i i do try to say it as I mean it, and it tends to do well um, when you're precise with what you're saying. And I have the advantage of only writing about whatever topic I want to write about. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, no, I really no one was
1: telling it. you to write about Olivia Culpo wishing ha- Christian McCaffrey happy birthday today.
0: I didn't even. I don't even know who that that name is. I mean, I know Christian McCaffrey, but I don't know the. She's the a one Sports
1: who, Illustrated swimsuit model who he has been dating for three years. I suppose I should have assumed as much. Um, Let's start with
0: the NBA Finals, man. Let's start with that. As I as I'm going to mute myself, as the wind is picking up behind me. Um, You want to give the expository? I I I will present this. I'll present it this way, and then we'll wait for your expository. The third finals in a row where TV viewership has come massively below average. Fourth in a row. Oh, fourth in a row. You're right. Fourth in a row. Um, we have praised the NBA. We have talked about when the news is picked up positively. What gives of this trend, Ryan? What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, so it's weird. The um, Game one averaged 11.4 million viewers. Game two averaged um, about 11.9 million viewers. The 29th, so these are way up from the last two years. Last year, The finals were in July two years ago. They were in September and in the bubble. So they're at abnormal parts of the year. So you're getting the press releases saying up 37% from last year. And that looks really good. But then you look under the hood and the last normal finals, which were 2019, which had the Warriors in them and a team from Canada in the Raptors. So their local market doesn't count for the the TV viewership in the stats that we see. Plus, now, as we've said a thousand times, everyone's he- tired of hearing us say... If out of home, out of home, out of home, out of home, out of home. Um, so, there's the, like... It, so, they're playing, like, the Celtics, who are a blue-chip organization, not from Canada, with out of home, and they're down about $2 million per game, from 2019, which is, I don't know, like 15% or whatever. And, you know, the, the buzz going into these finals, Ethan, was that ESPN, the NBA, were very excited for the matchup. And the numbers have been disappointing. There's no other way to slice it. I don't care if they're up from last year's, like, um, Bucs uh, the, in they're like, like They should, be, like they should nearly, be up way more than they are.
0: They're like nearly half of the great LeBron Warriors finals. Um, and that's just the level of variance that the NBA can produce that you don't see in football. You're not going to see one Super Bowl be half of another Super Bowl in terms of viewership. Um, and yeah, I think the NBA is disappointed, but I get it. Because stories, I think, are bigger than market. And The Celtic story is almost too early. This is an introduction for many people to them. My mom has not heard of Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. Well, that's
1: because he only played one year at Duke. If Jason Tatum was in the final, I know, I'm sorry. I've done this a thousand times. If he played three years at Duke and he Mm -hmm. was in the finals with the Celtics, a lot more people would care. But sorry, go on.
0: No, I think think there's that. Uh, There's also just the goofiness of the counting system where before it's out of home, as you said, and then it's well, as you're talking about, there are 28. There's so many fewer people at home during June, and I'm just looking at it going. Then why did you add the stupid metric that has such variance and confuses all of us? Um, and so, and so there's that, and then there's just the issue that the NBA did, I think, permanently lose a lot of people. And it, can well, but it's really bet-
1: weird because the you know the the first two rounds we were getting these bonkers numbers like best in a decade or whatever. And now with this um, really, I thought it was an ideal matchup too. I said ESPN and NBA were over the moon with it. I thought it was going to be big for them. I thought that it would at least get back to 2019. Like, you know, in a, in a world where the NBA has not lost popularity, Celtics Warriors 2022 does better numbers than Warriors Raptors 2019. I just don't know yeah. how you could argue it's, that that's anything other than a you, fact.
0: You got to be a deep nerd as we are to appreciate that, but it is emphatically true. It is it is completely for the Warriors to come back to the finals is a huge storyline. And for them to be playing the Celtics and not be beating the Raptors, I think it does show that. For the and biggest you know, like games,
1: I get it. Tatum's not a household name yet, but he's like a top five, top seven NBA player. If they can't market him,
0: yeah. Well, he just doesn't have the charisma of a Kawhi Leonard, Ryan.
1: Um, yeah. So <laughs> i I think
0: that it does show that the top of things, the biggest of games, it's been obscured, I think, by a lot of out-of-home, smoke-and-mirrors bullshit, but they've lost some people. And I'm not trying to pile on them. I actually think that in many ways they um, are the archetypal thing that conservatives and the right, you know, invokes as the woke league, and in some ways they're the least woke of the professional leagues now. Although, and this brings us to the next topic, as we look at these ancillary issues, perhaps, I, I don't get why some people just dismiss... That the political aspect can be an aspect, or that the presentation can be an aspect. I don't get that as the uh, sirens. Well, we got the sirens. We got. The, we're in a real American city right now. You know, <laughs> it's a uh, it's, uh, chase of chase of trying to save his uh, his job. You know, bring out the ambulance. But you know, this like I, I look at all of it. You've got a theory that Mark Jones is such a bad announcer that having him as a last minute replacement has an effect no, no, well, no, not just
1: nuts. well so first of all it's two things i do if he were just a bad announcer um uh, he's not terrible but i would say that in my evaluation of announcers i think i would rather have a game just just in a vacuum just announcing skill and this is my own opinion and anybody can disagree with me if they want it's a free country I would put Dave Pash and Ryan Rucco on an on ESPN's NBA depth chart ahead of him. And I would say that Bob Wischusen, Shiambi, mm. and Jason Benetti, who are employed by ESPN but call different sports for the network, are also better play-by-play announcers than him, although there's no way any of them would get jumped into the we, finals, but yeah. for Pash or Ruko, that could happen. And it yeah, didn't. We,
0: we are in agreement that Mark Jones isn't good and he's got some good quality to him. He's got the pipes. He's got the good voice. And I don't think I'm saying this just because he's been one of the more overt uh, social justice controversy guys, but I almost think that that aspect of his personality is connected to the aspect i don't like of him as an announcer which is just trying too hard there's something cringy and try hard about him he almost reminds me of a national version of bob fitzgerald the local warriors announcers uh the the catchphrases don't feel they don't feel real there's something that feels odd about it and uh maybe i'm showing my anti-canadian bias ryan but i just don't i just don't by him I don't I don't think that's the biggest I could give it 500,000 people 500,000 people yeah so to Mark yeah, Jones.
1: for people who don't know I tweeted this morning that I think that there are a million people who do not want to hear Mark Jones announce a game and I didn't elaborate on whether it was because like they would prefer Dave Pash which I don't think is the case for most people I don't think most people know the distinctions but I do think that Red Sports Land which is mm. not insubstantial. Does not want him calling a game because. So I'll go through like all of the things. Um, he, he had like a very bizarre tweet during like 2020 that he didn't want a police escort at the games because he was afraid that a police officer escorting him would shoot him. Very really weird tweet. A, a couple <laughs> years before that, he had like tweeted about how much he appreciated the police and the escort. So you can put your mind back in two years ago when everyone was ripping the police. And, you know, I I think that that might like that, that was, that was like the most famous thing, but he's also had like a bunch of kind of, you know, problematic likes or whatever that outkick has noticed where he, he liked just, when one of the Bosa brothers got hurt because the Bosas are conservative. He um, I don't remember whether he said Rush Limbaugh will burn in hell or liked a tweet that said that. Yeah. No, um, he, he, would. He, is, he he
0: Okay, so a few things are going on here. He is clearly the beneficiary of a political double standard where he is saying things that are completely extreme and would get somebody of the other bent uh, punished and suspended and kicked out of there, um, clearly. But I just don't think he rates enough. I don't think that Red World knows about him. And Maybe
1: I'm wrong. This maybe is I where think- I would disagree with you because, I mean, mm. Whitlock wrote a whole column about him on Friday. Outkick has been hammering him since that police tweet. Mm. I think that the audiences of those sites is... I don't think people realize how big um, that audience is when it's a topic that's getting hammered over and over and over. Uh, Yeah. And like, I've looked at the traffic meter, when Clay and Whitlock dig into issues. And so there's like a lot of people reached out to me and said, like, you're giving these people like agency, they're pandering to racists. Um, Mm. And by giving them agency, you're giving them power. But let's say Clay was a play-by-play announcer and let's say he got put on a football playoff game. Do you yeah. think that there would not be people boycotting the game and then people mm. would bring that up? Well, that's a false equivalence because um, Clay is a racist and Mark Jones yeah. is fighting for social equality but the, the, it's it, like whether you make a value judgment on their political opinions or not,
2: if it you would you be a
1: distraction a game it, called it, it by Clay be, Travis. Yeah. You have to understand why someone wouldn't want to watch a game called by Mark Jones.
0: I don't think I'm convinced by your argument, but it's a very well-made argument. And it's a good point. I think there's something else there where it's not necessarily as overt all the time as I hate this guy, and I'm so political, I'm not going to watch. It, it sounds that this is a bit of a distraction. I know there's weirdness about the guy. I have a different brand association with this now. I think those little calculations subconsciously are made all over, and then you lose some people on the margins. And so that's part of it. Also part of it, I, I, I think the NBA has done as, you know, it's trying its hardest in many ways to stay out of the uh, the culture war, but they can't and they shouldn't control what the players and what the coaches do. And I think, you know, they're very impassioned, uh, uh, the horrific thing that we don't want to revisit and talk about extensively in Texas. Uh, But there's big displays about it. And I think people resent the feeling that they're being propagandized uh, because that is what's happening. It's this idea of I'm using my platform. Well, what's using your platform mean? It means that you're using the space to try to convince somebody of something uh, that maybe they wouldn't ordinarily want. And I think a lot of people at some level either resent it, or again they feel like it's a distraction and it's not giving them the warm and fuzzies when everybody's wearing the shirts and talking about a very serious issue. And you know th- it gets dismissed all the time, and I just don't understand how it can be so dismissible. I almost feel like the people it's because who because dismiss- of
1: what I said, where they don't want to give. People they don't that want they it consider to consider their yes. intellectual and uh, moral, moral and inferior agency yeah. and power. By the way, in the chat, Rick Bishop has another theory on lower NBA ratings. He says, mm. coaches not wearing suits cheapens the stakes of the product. I love it. Pat Riley I love it. wears a suit in the stands yet coaches can't be bothered. Well, we found I got 1 million of the 2 million drop attributable to Mark Jones. We got another million attributable to the coaches not wearing suits.
0: Somebody said mama. There goes that fan. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, yeah, we're coming up with the money. We're coming up with the money slash audience members in our couch cushions as we do this investigation of where did they go. And I think you're right. I think we are in agreement about the psychology that there is a mental block. On there being agency with the red viewer um, and what they want, and the clay the clay example is an interesting one, and I I think it might be different if Mark Jones was good uh, to bring back to Mark Jones. If it was if it was Mike Breen, I think maybe a lot of people would shrug and go, if Mike Breen had a lot of politics, people would go,
1: yeah, but yeah, like banned. Sam Van Gundy is a great color commentator, and yeah. I don't think he, I don't think his like, you know. Uh, I I, can we call them unhinged is unhinged tweets that we've talked about before, or at least like very um, vocal advocacy tweets. Um, Yes. Your mileage may vary. Like you can say it nicely or you can call them unhinged, but I, it doesn't like bother me when, or anybody that I really see when he calls a game um, because he's really good at analyzing it. So yeah, it's a big drop off from Breen to Jones in quality and then there's that other aspect of people don't want um, this guy talking to them. Now, I said a million. I think I'm willing to reconsider and say that a million is high, especially on the scale of, you know, dropping like I'm not going to attribute half of the drop to him. But mm-hmm. I do think that it is capital S something. Yes, I, I would agree that it's something. Um, I don't
0: know how much. And it's all bundled together, it's all tangled together, it's all blurred together. But the psychology you're, you're you're describing, I think, might connect to the next subject, which is just not wanting to, not wanting to accept the pluralism of this country and that there are different kinds of people, and there are indeed many of such people. And there is this this block, I think, of of just accepting that in our world in blue land, and I am of course referring to. Uh, the controversy out in Tampa Bay, the only one I know of, actually, um, which is the Tampa Bay Rays. They had a Pride Night, um, and not only did they have the standard Pride Night, which I think would have probably gone off without a hitch, but for uh, but for the uniform that they created that had starburst emblems, and I think on the hat uh, with the, the rainbow colors, and five players, all pitchers, oddly, um, decided not to do it. Gave their explanation as to why uh, I think the Tampa Bay uh, paper that covered it did a good job, but it resulted in a lot of anger and uh, finger wagging uh, from um, you know, a lot of sports media pundits. And I wrote about it specifically looking at isolating some of the stuff Sarah Spain was saying, because I mean, we can go in so many directions. I wrote over 4,000 words about it, but I think there's a fundamental weirdness to me of insisting that somebody must wear the garb of a cause they're not into. You can criticize them for not being down with that cause and make whatever judgment you want. But I saw a lot of sports media people, blue check people, demanding that the, the Tampa Rays discipline them and do something about this. Why is it important to you for these guys to fake to, to fake a preference? That is very odd to me. And so I'm just wondering, Ryan, if you have any thoughts on it.
1: So I, I want to first give my thoughts on, um, Sarah Spain, who has in our probably three or four interactions together, um, been very nice to me. And so I, um, I, I do sometimes like find myself as you did feeling that, um, her, her, her like zest for being so tolerant with a capital T makes her intolerant of intolerance and unable to um, empathize with her ideological opponents and thus reduce them into this like evil oppressor that I do not believe that they are when they're being earnestly sincere in their religion. Um, So it's funny because in twenty fifteen I started a podcast when I was at the big lead, and I think she was my third guest, and I asked her if she was if it ever worried her that her um very staunch politics would make her polarizing, and her answer mm. was no, it does not because i don't like it was kind of like a variation of I don't believe that what I say is like controversial. I believe in oh, universal this, human rights and tolerance. This is what's so
0: fascinating is that so many people in our world don't perceive themselves as, as having an ideology. They just perceive themselves as, as having a suite of correct opinions that they all agree on without deviation. And that, that's just always so interesting to me. They don't They don't see it as controversial.
1: Yes. Um, so... I, I, I don't advise people to go back and listen to it because the sound was messed up. And I, was hey man, if, they're, if they're listening to me on the, that point. if they're listening to me
0: right now outside in the streets of San Francisco, uh, battling over my phone with a meth
1: addict, uh, they can, they can deal with that sound, I think. That's right. Well, Here's I don't place. even know that. I think I like finally canceled my SoundCloud subscription. So I'm not sure people could listen to it if they tried. They probably could actually go back on iTunes and find it. It's glass half empty. Have at it all um, 50 of you. But um, no, no, I, it, it is. I, I think that this is a blind spot with a lot of people where, um, the 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 religion stuff like I bet you the so first of all she you made a really good point that she called these players privileged and you know I am big sports fan I watch a lot of baseball I haven't heard of any of these players um, yeah. that they they yes they're very well paid now but as you pointed out most of them came from um, pretty downtrodden regions yeah. and they're the kind I, of scrappy guys just because they're they're yeah. white males. They, that does not make them, you know, privileged in the parlance of how I view the word in our society. Yeah. And so there, there's well, that element. They're but,
0: underprivileged because they have to pay, play for the Tampa Bay Rays.
1: But you were saying. They, the Rays are a good organization, even though they don't really have any fans. That's, I mean, you look scary. at what... Oh, it, it is. It's gross. And but... Uh, Yeah, so there's what I think, and we've talked about this before, there's not an empathy for people who are who have fundamental faith. And I, I get the, the point where Christianity and other dominant religions in world history have been used to oppress the less fortunate. But as you said, in your piece, refusing to wear, like, a rainbow-colored hat, you know, like, kind of, like, not wearing the required 12 pieces of flair in office space um <laughs> is hardly oppressive. And, like, we, we're yeah. both people who believe, like, gay, straight, like, do whatever makes you happy if you're not hurting anybody else. I have zero, like, I want gay people to be happy and thrive in society I want the same thing that Sarah Spain wants but I don't want to browbeat people who don't believe into it into like falsifying their um, support of gay pride
0: yeah I don't think it's good for society when large segments are falsifying their preferences I think it creates a very unstable dynamic and it's just better if we can talk with each other Honestly, at least that's how, that's how I see it. And I I think it's, you know, but it's funny. I feel like they got very little truck. They might've thought that they would do well explaining themselves. One pitcher spoke for all the players and he, um, he invoked religion. He invoked Jesus. And I just think that bounces off the the blue, the blue state liberal, that's just nothing in in a way. I think they would have been almost better off if we're just talking strictly PR just going prime months just OD man it's too much like we got we got to dial it back from from 10 to 7 you know i feel like that's something that i'm actually hearing in my life from non religious people non homophobic people is the corporate cringe you know all the 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 displays and how these corporations are trying to compete for whatever displays right down to the the uniforms i do think there's an appetite for going yeah, you know, maybe we 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 take it from you know an eleven back to a six or or something like that. Or am I crazy?
1: Yeah, I it's I'm shouting it's... this
0: in San Francisco, by the way. I don't know what's going
1: on. <laughs> I um we we can go in like circles and circles on this. It's kind of boring because we agree with each other. I do I I do think though that. Deep down, it comes from a good place in Sarah Spain's heart that she wants all of these people who, um, you know, we grew up in, I don't know what it's like in school now, but the, you know, people would, would say the G word and the F word. Um, and it would be like, I, I've come you, across, look, some you, across some of my own Brian? I came, I came across some of my own Old like 14 year old Facebook posts, I'm very glad that people can't search like you can search Twitter. But, mm. um, it, it's it's a uh, I, I, I do think that we we grew up in it, even us, like in our yeah. mid 30s, grew up in a time oh, definitely where where people were very intolerant of gay people, and th- there's a reason, as you said in your piece, why. So few professional athletes come out, even though you would think that there's so much media and commercial incentive to do so. Um, which is because there there is this um this latent homophobia in locker rooms. That well, still I was about persists. to say that
0: when you when you were talking about how it was for us growing up, I said if you want to revisit that, if you want to jump in a time machine. I can take you into an NBA locker room and you can be right back there uh, as to what that culture was around that issue because that's how it is. And there is a weird media omerta where I I don't want to get aggregated necessarily, but there are various superstars who have been seen shouting the wrong kind of F word at teammates and everything else. And the media members
1: yelling it at the official like it's not that long. You don't have to go that far back.
0: Yeah, that was one that was that was one that was uh, caught, but it's there's almost an omerita on it because there's a recognition that if you hold one guy out as the the evildoer, then it's almost unfair because that's most of the guys and it's just not really conveyed. And it gets to one of my favorite issues, which is the misalignment between um media people who come from one world and the sports heroes that they project onto and adore so much. And how so mu- so many of the media people, they can't even conceive of what these dudes are like. And these guys are fully fledged human beings. I'm not trying to make them sound like monsters, but they're just, they're just very different. The selection pressures are very different. The incentives are very different. And it's its own culture. It's hyper-masculine. It's not necessarily nice, though it is hilarious. And it it sometimes seems like a lot of people, even in sports media, and especially if they're not covering the games in person, is just completely naive about what this thing is and how the sausage actually gets made.
1: And And it's also, you know, I've made this point a bunch before, but you get so mad at Laura Ingraham for telling LeBron to shut up and dribble. And then when an athlete has an opinion you don't like, It's shut up and wear a patch and pitch. Yeah. Well, they don't,
0: again, this goes back to the not perceiving your opinion as a difference, but just perceiving your opinions as a collection of indisputable truths. And so it's, well, yeah, but LeBron was saying something good and this guy is saying something bad, uh, according to my moral framework. And so that's how that determination, that's how that determination is made. It's really people are looking at me by the way on the street as I walk around. They well even in San Francisco, I thought this is where I could get away with just shouting like a crazy person to myself. I, I assume. <laughs> but I can't pull it off. I'm not credible, Riot. I'm not somebody who's good at it. And with that, I mean, are there any other topics before we take any questions?
1: Um I don't really wanna I you know, the this um this like have you read about the murder in the like LeBron school parking lot?
0: I cannot speak to that. I, I I sound like I was involved. Like no, I can't. I don't know anything about it other than I saw there was a thing. I saw a Clay Travis thing saying that LeBron wasn't helping with it. I don't know enough about that one. I think we can right, shift. So to let, the let's punt on
1: that. It's it's too heavy. It's heavy anyway. It's too heavy.
0: Okay, let's uh, let's call up Jonathan to the floor. Make Jonathan the next caller. Call him up. I mean, it's kind of I drop it out of nowhere. These poor poor people, these poor listeners, they sit in the queue. We ignore them for 30 minutes, and then we just boom, bam, call him up. And he, he might not be ready. We might have to go with the next guy. Let's go with Wynn. Okay, let's make Wynn the next caller. Get him up
3: to the floor. Thank, thank Thanks for having me on, Ethan. Wright. Good to... Good to hear you guys. I um, I wonder about quick on the NBA Finals. I think it might be an Occam's razor sort of issue. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like you have macroeconomic cord cutting issues. Yeah, we didn't and they that. only escalate. They only escalated during COVID, and it's very. But yeah, even and in they the only Easter-
1: escalated during the finals two weeks ago. Playoff series were doing the best they had. In a decade now, all of a sudden, cord cutting is a reason why ratings can be.
3: Taxed. Well, so Ryan, here's what, here's my response to that's going to be. I think there's something about having and and one of the you know one of the other attendees in this call and mentioned it and in, in in the text chat. But you know, you, you have Boston versus uh, San Francisco. These are both two ardent fan bases that I think most people hate outside of those mm. kind of networks and areas. And then they're on opposite sides of the country, and so. You know I mean if you're in you know i mean I'm living in d c right now but I mean Ethan I mentioned this before but I went to Berkeley and and I'm a Celtics fan like if I try to get the mar- you know one of my kind of random friends who doesn't really follow basketball to watch the game at nine o'clock on Sunday, I mean they're not really going to watch it um especially if they, especially if they have kind of like a Netflix or you know whatever an h b o go or something uh, you know as a as something as something else to watch um and, you know, that's the one thing, and I, I'm sorry for, like, kind of just skip it over to the race thing, but, I mean, I even I really totally agreed with your whole piece, I think there's tons of preference falsification going on, and I think just in general, I mean, you know, I, uh, when I graduated from Berkeley, I, I worked for two years in a, in a low-income uh, community in, in New Orleans, and I just kind of remember there, I was a teacher, and so I worked in there day in, day out, 7 o'clock to 5 o'clock, and you would imagine these students would espouse the same exact beliefs as you hear all throughout on Twitter, or at college campuses, or whatever, and they just don't believe them at all, and most people are really moderate, and they certainly do not want to be told what to do, and I think when you force people to get vaccinated, or you force people to display some sort of you know, banned that, you know, without even actually trying to persuade them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think that really offends people and, you know, they might rely on kind of religion as an explanation because religion traditionally is, I mean, legally it is the reason why you are not, you don't have to do those sort of things. Like that's actually a protected, right. It's, it's, you know, you're not allowed to infringe, to that extent, but, you know, I think there's, you know, but to the extent that the country is becoming so secular, I think there's something about just, like, being told what to do by random yeah. people that people find offensive. But anyway, I'll, I'll let you guys it, hear that. No,
0: I, I, I'm i with that, obviously, and it's playing with fire. And when I bring this up, I think it can be dismissed as concern trolling, because people often will voice what they don't like going on within blue world as this is not going to be practical for you guys. You guys are going to lose because of this. I think that's a very Bill Maher kind of argument. Um, I think that's a true argument. It doesn't really move people. People are, they tend to be moved more by arguments of morality versus practicality. And yet at the same time, I do think that this is how they lose. I do think that they can't even fathom how hated they are and how resented they are after these couple of years. I could be wrong about my assumption, We're going to get a little taste of it, perhaps, when we know what the returns are on some of these elections. But um, I think that it provokes a lot of resentment in people, and they feel as though they're not in control of a lot of the decisions that they get to make. And the people forcing them have zero respect for them, don't seem to care about their standard of living or how happy they are, just care about controlling them. Uh, Yeah, that's going to provoke a popular backlash eventually, especially if nobody's putting the brakes on it.
1: Yeah, I I mean— You go to the gas pump now, and you see people that just bought a gallon for like six or in your plate in your locale eight bucks. Oh,
3: Jesus! And
1: (laughs) the um, like you know, it's really that there's a, a not insignificant amount of the population that is really struggling with all of these price hikes for goods and services that have happened in the last year and a half. And you combat you compound that with the like crime, especially violent crime skyrocketing in all of these regions that are controlled by Democrats. And then compound that with the fact that anybody in the Biden administration in front of a microphone is going to stammer and not make the point well. And so y- y- people who are inclined to disagree with the Sarah Spanes of the world are living like with just, you know, furious anger about all those other things that I just talked about and feeling talked down to and browbeaten and, it's going to lead to a very popular backlash at the election polls in November. We both think, and it will yes. be deserved, and it will be deserved, right?
0: It's it, not going to be the, it's not going to be the voters having some uh, misapprehension or misinformation or being snookered in some way. I don't think a lot of the power centers are betraying any concern for these people at all. They can't even be bothered. So why should the people vote for that? I mean, it's just yeah. obvious to me at this point.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think th- th- r- literally right on that point, I, I was looking at some of the reporting on the Rick Caruso um, mayor race in, in L.A., uh, and there was a, a very funny reporting in, in the Los Angeles Times about this, um, y- the, the sense of, you know, these multiple reporters were just mystified, shell-shocked, that Rick Caruso was making inroads with African-American men, like projected voters in the community, because he had received, you know, endorsement from uh, Snoop Dogg, and then there was a connection to, I guess, like, you know, Ice Cube maybe endorsing Trump back or something like that. I mean, I kind of skimmed the article, but I looked for the facts on it. But, you know, part of the point was that, you know, he's running on a like you said Ryan like you're you're dealing with you know raising gas prices you have crime that's kind of out of control and you have an entire sort of um you know kind of uh, you know democratic establishment system that just does not they care more about Twitter day to day operations about what people are saying on Twitter than their own constituents and they're surprised that they're potentially going to lose the ballot box. I mean, it's just, it's just disrespectful and disparaging. I don't the
1: polls yet. Biden yeah. believes them. Like, NBC News is already putting out stories that he's, like, understands the reckoning that his party's about to face and is going to clean house. But, I mean, I don't think anybody has any faith that he's going to replace these bad people that he picked before with better ones. Yeah, well, this is,
0: and again, and I will end on the politics jag of it, but, uh, or at least I think I will, but it's the proof of concept problem that I think is such an underrated issue, which is you're going to get more culturally when you've established and demonstrated some efficacy. And again, I, I, I say it all the time, but 10 years ago, a lot of liberal spaces you would point to and you would say, Hey, it's going great there. And that's where people were moving. And that's where the culture was going. Austin, Texas. Oh, yeah, that's, it's going great there. It's, it's going nice. Now people aren't talking that way about Austin, Texas. And really, they're not talking about any place. They, you know, show me the place. Where is this utopia? Where is this utopia where, where things are going great? And absent time, Florida. Florida. That's the, you know, that's where people are moving. So, you know, we shall see. I think that we will be proving correct. And if we're not, it will at least be something interesting uh, to analyze. But uh, let's get through these callers real quick. And I can hop back in and see if uh, Schellenberger has uh, finished second. It's California. We're going to find out in six months when they're done counting. It's not going to be that quick. But, you know, I could get a, get a, get a hint or two. Uh, Jonathan. So Jonathan, next caller blaze through the callers let's be succinct i don't know if i can be succinct but i'll try i'll try we'll see jonathan you're up
4: you're muted you got the mute on good evening thanks for taking my call long time listener third time caller Uh, very briefly i want to make a religious point because i think sarah spain was making a religious point and that is that people inherently by the nature of being human, need meaning. They need transcendence. And if you're not worshiping God, you're going to worship something. So you have academics like John McWhorter at Columbia. I've written a lot about this, about, uh, you know, woke religion is his term. And I think that's what we're seeing, something like an inverted Christianity. And in the American context, it'd be an inverted Calvinism where you have witches and you have Heretics, and you have saints, and you have sinners, and that Christian context still exists. It's just been hollowed out, and so you apply it to sports. I was thinking about Kevin Durant earlier and why he might be unhappy. Obviously, I have no idea because I don't know him at all. But uh, you know, he is. It seems to me like he's seeking meaning,
5: yes, and yes,
4: a, a lot of a lot of people. Um, in my opinion, as a Catholic, you know, will be restless until they find meaning in the ultimate, the capital U ultimate. So I just mm-hmm. wanted to make that point, And I appreciate uh, you having me on. Thanks so much, Jonathan. Um,
1: Thank you. I appreciate your faith. I think my life would be happier if I shared it. I don't have that. Um, I, I can't, I just don't have it in me to be sure about what the higher power is or which religion is right. Or if that's certainly the case, but I definitely respect people who live their lives that way. And I feel like if I could get myself to, I'd probably be happier and less anxious. I feel like there's
0: something out there, but that's a whole other topic for a whole other call in. That's uh, thank you, Jonathan. Uh, Thanks for the call. We'll, we'll quickly take Patrick. Uh, Patrick, take this call, doing the listing voice. Patrick, how you doing?
5: Uh, That is a beautiful dog. uh, Thank you. It's my sister's dog. I'll let her know. Uh, So I kind of follow sports in or out, but I do find the whole Tampa Bay Pride Michigas to be very, I guess, funny. Just because...
0: Sorry, just, you know, it's, it's a, good, a good pull. A good cut.
5: Yeah. Just because, like, pride flags are really ugly to begin with. I- I'm gay, so I speak from experience. Mm. And the flag just keeps getting uglier. So I kind of understand just not wanting to have to wear it, especially when it's a pin. But I guess deferring to you guys, how often are these kind of sports stories coming out about, like, the political views of the players because I can understand a player wanting to like make a comment about controversy, but like this almost feels like we're getting into it happens two or three times a week. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's, it's
0: coming up. It's definitely coming up, but athletes for the most part don't want to rock the boat. They're a little, they're a little like actors. They just want to say whatever's going to get them love. And I think in, in many ways for a while, it's been, one kind of party line, and now it's getting a little bit confusing. But yeah, it's what you're saying about the the aesthetic devolution. I didn't I realize I might be talking about this, but I do feel like um, if hey, I can stereotype, I can't really get fired. But uh, gay men, good aesthetics, generally speaking, yes. And it seems like the inclusion of more people in making the flags produces results like whatever the Brooklyn Nets put out there. Um, And I don't know if you saw that, Patrick, but they had uh, a complete travesty of a mashup of a a pride flag. And it was, uh, I think, you know, kind of, uh, it it highlighted something there. It was interesting and how bad it was.
2: Oh,
5: I I saw that uh, monstrosity. Um, I especially love that we have the Allies flag, (laughs) which is (laughs) a black point flag with just a rainbow A on it. But then there's also just... Black and white flag, which I guess is just for heterosexual people who aren't allies, which <laughs> I, I guess we're, they're welcome to <laughs> pride right now. So I guess the players <laughs> are welcome to not wear their flag to begin with. So <laughs> for yeah, whatever, I... for whatever reason, the gay or as people are calling it now, queer community, LGBT, whatever we call ourselves, we have an idea where we're not allowed to police our borders anymore. So, Hmm. if you're talking about kind of policing of borders, for example, Rachel Dolezal, uh, she was a person who was kind of like excommunicated, Jessica Krugman, there are plenty of examples of this. Certain other groups are allowed to kind of police the borders who come in and come out. But for gay people, we have this kind of mandate where it's basically like, we need more. It's ever expanded to the point where, I guess if anyone's ever thought someone looked cute, they are now a member of the community. And you're not allowed to kind of say anything about it. Yeah. they definitely a-
0: aren't allowed to ask any questions or try to establish any norms, which is, again, I mean, this is, I think, tying into everything. I don't know much about Matt Walsh other than who's conservative at the Daily Wire. But I know this has been like a fascinating thing to me that he came out with a documentary called What is a Woman? And he's asking that question to various queer theorists and academics And what's interesting to me is, as far as I can see, it got over 13 million views, the trailer did on YouTube. A lot of people are watching it and talking about it, and no major publication other than Desiree News will even review it. That is interesting to me. It seems like there's just a a fear there about making any kind of assessment.
5: Uh, So that whole thing is another... Ryan's
0: hiding under his desk right now. He does not want to
1: touch this. (laughs) Uh, I will will say that if I could could buy stock in one media company, it would be Daily Wire.
0: Yeah, probably would uh, do pretty well. But uh, we're getting you out of here. We're giving you the heave-ho, Patrick. Thank you. No problem. Uh, CJ, the last caller of the night. Last caller of the night, and I will jump back in. Will I drink? Another beautiful dog.
2: Never oh, thank you.
0: Out. Never works out for me when I drink, but maybe I will. CJ, what's up?
2: Oh, not much. Um, actually, I kind of wanted to take you this uh, wide left turn, Ryan. I think you would appreciate this because um, I saw your post. Uh, I just wanted to ask Ryan about his experience going to the WWE show this past Sunday with Cody oh. Rhodes wrestling with a fucking torn peck.
1: Oh, oh wow. it was okay. absurd. Um, I mean, I was sitting third row, center of the ring, so. It, like, if you could tell, you know, 12-year-old me that I could do that, he'd be like, okay, then no, don't complain about anything else ever. Like, but um, it, it is just an unbelievable week in pro wrestling. First, exactly. You have, like, the MJF pipe bomb promo and then Cody Rhodes. So, for people who don't know, Cody Rhodes, um, son of Dusty Rhodes, he... I I think for real, but you can never know with wrestling, whether it's, oh, no, real, it's real or fake, um, tore his pectoral muscle um, in this past week in the lead up to like a main event where they really needed him because it was like the rare night where Roman Reigns, he's been the meal ticket for WWE for the last several years, had the I night off. That. And so... They really, really needed um, Cody to perform, and he did this whole match with like a very grotesque, like you know, eight-inch diameter bruise on his peck. Like he, he's wrestling with an injury that puts you out for the season if you suffer it in the NFL, and they just scripted the match perfectly. And it's going to, like, I don't know, it's probably it one of like, the five best wrestling matches in a major American promotion of my wife, I think, or at least since like the mid nineties when I started watching and sort of be there for it was like, just like a
2: ridiculous privilege. Well, going back to the MJF thing, it has an element of real. I mean, that was a real injury. And just like the MJF uh, segment, you're talking about, there's realness to that, why it makes it so compelling and in wrestling anytime you can have some sort of realness in it or question whether it's real or what's scripted makes it the best.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, I I would love to talk to you about this for hours, but I just (laughs) have the sense that our audience... I uh, know, I know. know, Our audience,
0: I have no idea. I have no (laughs) idea what the hell you're talking about. Well, if I
2: want to try and ground the subject of pro wrestling because there's a little bit, I think... A interesting conversation with WWE in becoming such a conglomerate. But I feel like they skirt under public scrutiny by being such a niche um, product, yet they're making billions of dollars. and in- well,
1: There's no shortage of scrutiny on WWE. Uh,
2: but I think it's it's within the bubble of the fandom. I don't think it's a mainstream sort of microscope I was just going to ask in terms of how they sort of skew under uh, how they treat their employees as far as treating them as um, employees in one regard, making sure they can't have the rights of uh, independent contractors, where, where they say they're independent contractors in one sense, but say they're employees in the other.
1: Well, now there's a competitive... Um, promotion. So I know. for for the last twenty years, I think that that would be a fair criticism. But now the wrestlers sign these contracts with open arms. There's a competitive bidder in Tony Khan's AEW. Um, not they like they haven't unionized. That's on that's on the wrestlers. If if they believe that they could do better with a collective bargaining agreement, they haven't been able to come to that agreement amongst each other to um enact that change. True, true, I, I think that wrestling fans almost give WWE too hard of a time in this regard because I mean if you if you perform well, you follow your orders, and you get the crowd behind you, you make a very good living. Now I understand that WWE and UFC pay their performers way less of a percentage that, that was another than topic the professional I sports that. leagues do. But look at like the platform WWE gave The Rock, like or Hulk Hogan before him. They give you. The opportunity where if you become this massively charismatic and talented star, there's literally no limit on what you can accomplish in and out of wrestling. But I don't know and if that's so, always the case. I, I may sound like we, a WWE apologist right I, now, but I, I do think that the people who are good employees for WWE wind up having like a phenomenally successful life true i am i, I am
0: uh, jealous of your guys knowledge on this issue it, it, I, I have none to contribute and we can uh pick it up later but i need to i need to join in because they just announced a uh, first batch of ballots counted a huge lead for the recall of chase the 61- lfg
1: can they please do that with kim fox
0: in chicago please to 39%. I'm out of this bar. Man, people are are already celebrating. A landslide
1: loss for him would really, I hope, send shockwaves to these quote-unquote prosecutors across America. Yeah. People people
0: are already celebrating. They're going crazy. They can't wait to just go insane and, and commit crimes out here that they'll finally be arrested for. <laughs> you know, going Please uh, I, I, um, <laughs>
1: keep, keep a diary of your drinking, Ethan.
0: <laughs> I will try. Thanks so much. This is a fantastic episode. Thanks for bearing with me, um, despite my lack of pro wrestling knowledge and that I'm out in the great outdoors. Fantastic from Ryan. Check out his stuff at the New York Post. Check out my stuff at uh, eight. Ah, I can't even talk anymore. House of Strauss, Substack. Until next week, ladies and gentlemen, see ya. Bye.